Welcome to the Heal, Nourish, Grow podcast. I'm Cheryl McColgan, founder of Heal, Nourish, Grow. The website, this show, and our newsletter all focus on making the science of advanced nutrition and greater overall health accessible to everyone. Buckle up for our latest episode to get ideas, tools, and practical knowledge you can use to improve your health and move towards your perfect version of ultimate wellness. The Heal, Nourish, Grow podcast shares interviews with nutrition experts, health researchers, and everyday people that have changed their lifestyle and nutrition to support greater health. You'll learn how to implement lasting change and create new habits that support greater wellness and a happier, healthier life. Please visit HealNourishGrowPodcast.com for full show notes and links to our guests. Lynn Bowman is a best-selling Amazon author and a 76-year-old grandmother. She has been featured at women's expos throughout the country, teaming with actresses and others to produce Hall's Kitchen Close-Up and How Does She Do It? In previous lives, she won national awards as a creative director for Silicon Valley Companies and was a creative director at E&J Gala Winery, advertising manager at Redken Laboratories, as well as a freelancer for agencies in large U.S. cities. She's also worked as an actress, makeup artist, screenwriter, illustrator, legal journalist, and television weather person. She has three grown children, absolutely perfect grandchildren, and is the president of the Pescadero Foundation. She and her husband have a small farm on the coast of Northern California. Before I air the interview with Lynn, I just wanted to give a couple of thoughts on this interview. First of all, Lynn and I agree on so many things, which is the main one, eat whole foods. And everyone that does that, whether you go keto, paleo, plant-based, vegetarian, vegan, if you are eating whole foods, you'll be so, so, so much better off. So we absolutely agree on that one. Uh, Some of the things that she talked about, though, were very interesting. And certainly if she is thriving, like she says she is, you cannot argue with the results. But Lynn has managed her diabetes using a plant-based diet. And while that is definitely more challenging, it can work for some people where I probably diverge from Lynn a bit is that the consumption of protein, and especially as we age, you know that we have been diving into the science on this lately and talking about this a lot on the show. And the importance of protein cannot be overstated. So whether you get that from a plant source or an animal source, as long as you're getting the, for most women, uh, any size women over like four foot six, four foot eight, uh, somewhere around 180 to 100 grams of protein is going to be your minimum amount of protein that you really want to make sure you consume every day to maintain muscle, to build muscle, to prevent sarcopenia in your old age. Um, sarcopenia is just related to so, so, so many poor health outcomes. So it's really important as we age to keep an eye on our muscle mass, to really focus on body composition, not just weight, because what is really important for metabolic health, as well as health outcomes in the future, is to maintain your muscle mass. And the only way that we can do that is with protein. And the easiest way to do that is with animal protein. Like I said, you can do it possibly with plant-based protein, but it's going to be way, way, way more challenging. So all that being said, it was a very interesting conversation. If she is managing her diabetes to full effect using a plant-based diet, then more power to that. And that also just goes to show you that we each need to experiment with our own bodies and keep an eye on things like your fasting insulin level, which most doctors are not testing, but all of the thought leaders in this space agree that that is one of the 
biggest components of metabolic health. So get your fasting insulin tested. Uh, I have a link where you can do it very inexpensively. It's about $25 or $30. You can just go to your local lab corp. And so that will give you some excellent information on your metabolic health, as well as your A1C, which is your three-month average blood sugar. But that often doesn't tell the whole story. So that uh, measure can also be distorted by how fast your red blood cells turn over. So it's not a perfect measurement. So getting your A1C in conjunction with a fasting insulin and then possibly wearing a continuous glucose monitor for a little bit if you've never done that before. So whether you're diabetic, pre-diabetic, or you think you're in perfect health, wearing a continuous glucose monitor, monitor will give you a lot of insight into what is happening with your blood sugar and what specific foods are either working well with your body or not working well with your body. So experiment on yourself Take into account your metabolic health if you are, for whatever reason, thinking that plant-based is good for you, then, you know, give it a real trial and really keep an eye on all these key health markers. As you know, cholesterol, it's a quite a debate whether that is even a great health marker anyway, uh, because if you really look into the research on that stuff, you'll see that just as many people that have low cholesterol as high cholesterol have the same amount of cardiac events. And, you know, what we're really learning now is it's more about inflammation in your body. And so another key marker that you can look into is your HSCRP. That's an indication of inflammation in the body. So that's another one that you can look into if you're really looking for ultimate wellness and optimal health. Uh, the other thing I wanted to touch on is she mentioned a book called The China Study. And I read this book gosh, I guess it's been 15 or 20 years ago now. And it was actually a huge reason that I ended up being a vegetarian for seven years. Uh, but what I want to say about that book is it's an epidemiological book, and it has been totally dissected at this point as being a pretty poor study, even though the book was quite interesting, quite compelling. The science behind it is really not very good. But if you're just looking for entertainment value and kind of get some insight into some different ways of eating, it is an interesting read. Like I said, it changed my whole paradigm at the time to actually go vegetarian. But then everything that I've studied and learned in the years since, um, as you guys know by listening to the podcast, you know it's not something that I recommend. Uh, but again, if people are truly thriving on that, and I think for a lot of people, what happens, and this is discussed a lot as well, is when you go vegetarian or vegan, it's people are eating much, much healthier for the first time in their lives. They're getting off the standard American diet from a lot of processed foods, and they're getting onto a lot more whole foods, unprocessed foods. And so for a short time, they may feel a lot better and actually do much better. Um, what I found when I was a vegetarian, I really didn't feel significantly different because I'd always been someone that cooked and ate a whole foods-based diet. But what I did notice over time was that that lack of protein, even though I was fairly focused on uh, getting a good amount of protein when I was a vegetarian, it's, it's very challenging. And I was actually, as a vegetarian at that time, supplementing with some processed packaged foods, but in order to get protein. So things like soy burgers and things of that nature. And knowing what I know now, I have a good idea that that may have contributed significantly to 
the fibroids that grew in my body, the subsequent surgeries and health problems that I had after that. So plant estrogens are not always your friend, especially if it's overabundant. So when you're being vegetarian, you're eating a lot of these alternative protein sources Uh, that can definitely be a problem. So that's just some things for you to think about before you listen to this interview. Again, it was a great conversation. And there are a number of ways for you to get to get to health. Low carb keto is not the only way, but everyone should absolutely be reducing sugar, reducing grains and reducing processed food. So all that being said, now let's get into the interview. Good morning, everyone. Or, or good afternoon, wherever you are in the world. Good evening. Good middle of the night. I never start the podcast that way, but for whatever reason, I am a little uh, shuffled today, and I think it's because I am talking to the wonderful Lynn Bowman, and I've been looking forward to this conversation for quite a while. She is going to share with us today about her health journey, about her book, and some, to put it in her own words, grandmotherly advice. So welcome, Lynn. I'm so happy to have you here. Actually, those are your words, Cheryl. My words were, I'm a grandma. I know stuff, right? <laughs> right. Only, only I'm, I'm usually a little bit more potty mouth than that, but I try and behave when I'm a guest on a podcast, so I will. I'll try and behave. But yeah, it's, um, you know, when you've lived a long time, things look a little different to you. And podcasting, what fun. Uh, and I wanted to just, I know that you're in the Southwest and I wanted to be sure you knew about Ojo Caliente. So we'll talk about that later, but, um, it's a hot spring that is the most wonderful place in the world, I think. So yeah, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, everybody, wherever you are. Hi. So Lynn, could you just start out by sharing with people a little bit about your health journey? Because I think it's kind of interesting, um, not only just people's life stories in general, but particularly when it were in regards to their health, quite often it's a series of events that lead to a realization or a big change in one's life. And I think you have a really interesting to story to share in that regard. Well, I, let's go way back then, because as you know already, we've talked, I'm old, I'm 76. Uh, and so it's been a long time. And in my case, as in many people's cases, it began with with what we're now calling a trauma. Um, so many, I, I just finished Gabor Mate's book, by the way, which if you haven't read it, fantastic. And I recommend it highly, The Myth of Normal. But mm. in my case, my mother died when I was 18. And so in a matter of months, I went from being a high school kid with a family to being a freshman at UCLA with no family and no home to go home to. Um, everything, my dog was gone. Everything that I had known growing up was gone. And it was because my mother had a chronic disease that she, finally she succumbed. Um, she was in her early forties and I was 18. So that from, from then on my life changed and health became more important than anything. It, it was so clear to me at that age that if you aren't healthy, you just, there's so much in life that you can't have, won't have, don't know what, whatever. My mom had been ill for a long time. She had a chronic kidney disease. So fast forward a decade or so, and I found myself, um, <laughs> this is a longer story, but I became the single mother of three uh, in kind of rapid oh. succession. Uh, and realized also that I was a type two diabetic, which back in the day was treated very differently than it's treated now. So at, in my early forties, I had this diagnosis and 
no, everybody said, well, just lose some weight and don't eat carbs. That was essentially the health advice, which, you know, that's not particularly bad advice, but it's not particularly good advice really either. Mm -hmm. And so after all these years, and particularly in the last 15 years, I'd say, the treatment, our whole view of food as medicine and, you know, how we see staying healthy has changed. And uh, for me, it changed enormously. I, I actually started writing this book that I have out now, Brownies for Breakfast. I started writing it four years ago. And in 2019, for me, everything kind of changed again because I had the book about half written. I went to a conference being given by the plantricians. Do you know the plantricians? It's I do not. A group, it, it's a fascinating bunch of people because it's a group of MDs, docs from all over the world, who have been pioneers in healing with food. And they are renegades. I mean, this is not the way allopathic medicine has been practiced. You know, Western medicine, this isn't what we do. These guys, typically, you know this, you've heard this before, uh, MDs go to medical school and they get like an hour of nutrition out of all these years of misery that they go through in medical school. They also are trained not to sleep, which is interesting to me because another thing that I've discovered, and you may have as well, is that sleep is the basis of healing in many ways. You, act, you actually cannot heal unless you're in deepest sleep. The holidays are officially upon us, and you know what that means. Lots of sales. If you enjoy our work here at Heal, Nourish, Grow, there is a very easy way to support us without actually spending any extra money. Just start all of your holiday shopping on our shop page. It's easy to find by simply going to HealNourishGrow.com and clicking on the word shop in our navigation menu, or you can go straight to HealNourishGrow.com shop. There you'll find wellness products, clean beauty, healthy lifestyle products, keto-friendly, sugar-free food and drinks, and more. We get a small commission at no extra cost to you, and you get to try our favorite products with a huge discount. If you love to shop on Amazon, you can also go see our favorite products there by going to amazon.com slash shop slash heal, nourish, grow. Thanks so much for your support, and I hope you find some amazing holiday deals. Be sure to be on the lookout for our latest gift guide coming to the website soon. Going back to 2019, the Plantricians Conference, I, 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 there were a couple of people there that I really wanted to meet and hear, one of them being T. Colin Campbell, who wrote The China Study, which mm -hmm. most of us who are interested in health in any way found that to be a seminal book in our lives. And then um, Dean Ornish, who had been healing heart disease for quite some time with food and exercise. And he had been through a lot of, you know, people just dismissed him. It's like, how can that really be happening? But he had the receipts. So I went to this conference, all these people from all over the world, and all day long, every day, I watched PowerPoints talk about <laughs> right, torture, <laughs> you know, oh, good grief, from eight in the morning until eight at night, PowerPoints. But it was evidence. It was data and more data and then lots more data overwhelming data about what really is healthy, what really is healing people, what's wrong with people. And a number of these docs who were there presenting were surgeons, for an example, who had cut open kids and found their veins 
full of plaque, which didn't used to happen. This is a new thing. And so after five days of this conference, I mean, I just, everything that I thought I knew about nutrition, about diabetes, and I was doing well. I mean, you know, my numbers were good. I wasn't being medicated heavily at all. I, you know, things were good. But I, from that moment on, uh, I decided that I was going to experiment with um, data points of two, myself and my husband very sweetly agreed. Uh, he said, I'm in. Okay. Love it. 33 years, by the way. And he's still being <laughs> put through these things. But he's a good sport. So, so I decided that I was going to experiment with being strictly vegan. And for six months, and I had just had my numbers done. For six months, I did not have one sniff of animal food of any kind, nothing. And I was a girl who had never met a pork chop I didn't like, you know, who, who ate steaks and protein because that's what I had been told too was healthy. And it was sort of working, you know, it was, it was working pretty good. But six months later, after being completely vegan, I went back, did my tests and lo and behold, I had lowered my numbers. Hemoglobin A1C came down substantially, went back in for my yearly exam with my labs. And she said, you know what? This just doesn't happen, especially in people your age. doesn't happen. But guess what? It did. So it wasn't as um, far, let's say, as I've gone now because I took that. And by the way, I'm no longer strictly vegan and I'm not selling that today. But I am saying that to me, and my husband had the same results, by the way, although he wasn't diabetic, but we both lost weight without trying. We both felt great. And what it is, is eating whole food, real food, plant-based food. And that's the secret. That's really it. So I think you, I think you really highlight an interesting point here. And I think we kind of said this a little bit before we um, actually started recording is there are any number of ways for people to get healthy. And quite often it's very individualized. So of course I come from a perspective of a, you know, of a low carb keto lifestyle now, which is typically very animal based, but that is not the only way to do it. I would say there are a lot of people that have tried your route that it didn't help them. It didn't work for them because and I can tell they're you even why. Other... Well, yeah, let's because, get into that. Uh, when people say vegan, they're not telling you how they're vegan. And I've been in it's Starbucks garbage. <laughs> and watched people order their vegan food. And it's, it's sugar and flour and crappy food in many cases. So just being vegan has nothing to do with being healthy. And I, and I certainly want to make that clear. Um, it's, it's, and I'm, if I get on a rant about something, it's sugar. Cause I'm here to tell you, I don't want any of you eating sugar. Nobody, never. And grandma here, grandma buzzkill. No, no, no. <laughs> Big bucket of no on the sugar. Okay. Got it. Okay. People are used to that on the show. <laughs> are they? Okay. Good. Oh yeah. Well, obviously you can't be in ketosis and eat a bunch of sugar. So <laughs> yeah, that's, true. that's absolutely true. Uh, but if you do eat meat, and I'm sure you've covered this more than once, if you do eat meat, please eat good meat, S sustainably, responsibly raised meat. Huge difference. 
it's a completely different thing chemically in your body than factory farmed meat. And not to mention, of course, the effect that it's having on the earth and your community and everything else. So I do eat very little, not a lot. Um, I live in an, uh, an agricultural place and my friends are all raising beef, grass-fed beef and goats and pigs and lambs and everything. Uh, so it's hard to avoid meat where, where I live, but I eat a small amount, maybe once or twice a month, um, if that much, of grass-fed. My favorite is a flat iron steak, um, <clears throat> but it's grass-finished and fed. That heifer uh, never ate anything except good natural grass. So totally different thing. And then we live at the coast, so I eat some fish. Not very much, some fish, uh, but mostly plants, whole food, real food is the other word, magic word, real food. And so that goes for meat, fish, everything. Is it real? Uh, and I don't eat cow-based dairy at all because it's extremely hard, you know this show, I'm sure, to, to find real cow-based dairy. If you go in, the, in even the health food store, you won't find real. And, and dairy can be a problem for a lot of us. Even cow-based dairy is a different protein than goat-based or sheep-based dairy. I do eat feta cheese and um, sheep's milk cheese and goat's milk cheese. And again, I know the goats. They live right down the street from me. <laughs> we have a beautiful goat dairy and we, they all have names and they're adorable. Um, and, but that's, that's what we've lost in our food ways is this connection to where does it come from? It, you know, you can't be a food geek as I am. And to some extent, I know you are without having learned that it's people in a building in New Jersey who are engineering food to be craveable, who are at the basis of our health epidemic. And, and I'm calling it an epidemic you know, advisedly, it is an epidemic. We we are in horrible shape in this country and we've exported our bad health around the world. And it's because we have engineered our foods to add to the bottom line and shareholder wealth of people who don't care about our health. We have to care about our health. And to do that, you have to stop buying crap in bags and boxes. Uh, and yeah, that's one of my favorite things to say, because quite often people will hear keto and they have a certain perception of it, or they have a certain idea about what it is. And I think that when you are doing it in practice and when you've done it for over six years, like I have, it looks much different than what people think of it as. And what I will always tell anybody when I'm, you know, they're asking me about how I've gotten so healthy or how, what my diet is like, all that stuff. I'm like, you know, you you can get like 90% of there. If you just eat real food, whatever that looks like that for you, whether you're a vegetarian, whether you're a vegan, whether you're a carnivore, whatever it is, eat the highest There's quality real food that you can afford. It's yeah, that's it. Which is not as easy as it sounds once you start. It, agreed. Agreed. Because <laughs> not everybody is lucky enough to have neighbors with goats and chickens and, and you know, grass fed beef down the street from them. And that does make it more of a challenge, um, but not impossible. And I still would say, you know, whether you can get grass fed or not, the more real food that you can get, that you can afford, eat that. 
any over anything in a box or over anything highly processed. Um, so if you can't get grass fed all the time. Thank you for bringing that up because people often ask me, I'm sure they ask you, isn't it a lot more expensive to eat that way? And the answer is no, absolutely not. And when the pandemic started, you remember this, and because it wasn't that long ago, although it seems like, you know, centuries ago. <laughs> um, and there was a big panic about the shelves being empty in the grocery store and so on. Well, I was over there in produce by myself. And the shelves were full. There was plenty of celery, plenty of arugula, plenty of spinach. It wasn't a problem at all, ever. Where were you? Which aisle were you in that you were having trouble finding what you wanted? So, and yes, I'm being snarky because I'm a grandma and I get to. Uh, but it, you know, it's so easy to, to have food growing in your kitchen, on your sink, you can have some of the most nutritious food that you eat is parsley and bay leaves and rosemary. Those things that you can have in a little jar on your sink, those are great food. Those are fabulous food. And we forget about them. And you should be eating those two or three times a day if you can. And people go, how do you do that? Well, you snip the parsley onto everything. You just don't forget to add it to everything, your eggs, your sandwich, whatever you're doing, your pasta, put some dark greens on it. And a lot of people are catching on to the raised bed idea where you can have, instead of a lawn in front of your house, um, you can have a few little raised beds where you're growing enough to feed yourself practically. I mean, you can grow an enormous amount of food in a small amount of space. And if you have kids, you're also giving them, I think, the most important education they get between growing food and sitting down with you to eat the food at a table with a napkin, with a knife and fork, you know, with and helping you put it on the table, helping you take it off the table. That's the education I wanted my kids to have. And I want your kids to have it too. Because frankly, I don't want to sit down and eat with anyone who doesn't know how. I, I think this gets forgotten in the baseball and football and choir practice and Mandarin and all this with our families. What about what you learn at the table? And you learn health, of course. You learn where the food came from and what it is and how to fix it. But you also learn how to argue civilly. You <laughs> learn how to be part of a group, right? You learn how to uh, pass the salt. You learn how to use the napkin. And I, I'm, I have a, my workout friends, in fact, and, you know, I'm, I came from workout, so that's why I'm dressed today. And I, I love these women. I have a great trainer, a little local gym. And everybody's kids are going off to college now. And so lots of discussion about that. We had a whole, a whole cohort uh, headed off for college. And it's such an exciting time. But what you want is to have your kids be the ones who know how to do stuff, right? Just getting into college is part of it. But knowing how to run a washing machine, how to keep their room clean, how to source food and so on, whatnot, just these basic kind of skills, you know, the, your kids need to leave home with that skill set, I think. You, you don't want them to be the one in the dorm who doesn't know how to eat at a table. 
there are so many kids now, there are a couple of generations of kids who have eaten every meal since toddlerhood out of a bag or a box in the back of a car because they're going places all the time to learn stuff. Um, and I would like to propose that maybe that's not the most important stuff that they're learning. I couldn't I think, agree with you more. <laughs> hey, and it's, matter. it's a challenge when you have, uh, the teenagers, you know, they've got a mind of their own, as you well know, <laughs> you remember that. And it's a, it's definitely a challenge, but it is, I think being exposed to it. And I'll say this from my own personal experience. I grew up on a farm and I grew up with a dad that was really involved in the whole seventies health craze and running boom and all that. And although I might not have appreciated it at the time as much, I will say that those, you know, family dinners and being around people that cooked and being around people that were concerned about health did eventually sink in. It didn't actually take long. By the time I was in my twenties, I was running myself and read the China study and all of, all of the things. <laughs> so, so I think the exposure is maybe half the battle, even if you feel like they're not listening or they hate doing it. Would you, would you agree with that? Or have you seen that? Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, you know, and I get single mom and I had three and I was the sole income for them. So I get it. I mean, you know, I, you gals, the couple of generations behind me, it's more voluntary in a way, you know, you have careers that you've chosen. I had a career because I had to, <laughs> I had, I had, I had kids that needed to eat and I needed to find a way to feed them and house them and so on. And so I did and, uh, no regrets. Uh, it's, it's turned out. Okay. My kids are all in their forties and doing great. And, they all at this point really get it about food and health. Like what you hear so far? Make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button now. We'd also love it if you could post a review on iTunes. It helps us so much by allowing others to more easily find us. The Heal, Nourish, Grow podcast wouldn't be possible without listeners like you. Thank you so much for your support. Now back to the show. So some of that, yeah, comes at, at the table growing up. And I, and I had guests at home, uh, partly because of what I did for a living, but I would invite people to come to the table at home, even though it was a scrabble, but also that's where my cookbook came from. Everything I knew how to do, I knew how to do in 15 minutes. I knew how to get a, a meal on the table that looked nice, tasted good, and was healthy in 15 minutes because you come screaming in the door at night with these hungry little, you know, wild people. And you, that's what you need to do. And I, I knew I, I couldn't eat fast food if you're diabetic. And this is the thing you may have touched on more than once, because once you start reading labels, which is the thing I'm always hollering about, if you do eat something in a bag or a box, read the label, read it aloud, read it, because it's going to remind you every time that the first two or three ingredients are going to be sugar and salt and processed flour and a bunch of things that you can't pronounce. In which case, guess what? Not real food. And in my case, it was life threatening. If, if I had continued to eat that stuff uh, and, and the difference is, unfortunately, there's so many people I was diagnosed. I knew I was diabetic, but so many people don't know 
they're diabetic. And for those of you perhaps who are of the male persuasion and maybe over 40, you guys, you don't, you go, you don't get seen. You don't go and get examined. You don't get your blood work partly because you're afraid somebody's going to say, right, you've got to stop doing this or start doing that or whatever. But um, the, the, the downside risk is that when you're in your forties, particularly late forties, early fifties, the cumulative damage from diabetes begins to affect you in a big way. And the one that gets people's attention is when I say it's a huge cause behind erectile dysfunction. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's related to diabetes frequently, and it's absolutely related to what you're eating. So, hello. <laughs> to me, that's <laughs> that'll get their attention. <laughs> reason to get her fixed, you know, to learn how not to be there. Uh, well, Lynn, so, since you just went back to the topic of diabetes, can you maybe describe for people? Because I think this is this is something that people uh, in the audience are very uh, interested in, focused on, kind of learning some of the nuances. And I'd love to hear, since you had a, a diagnosis at around 40 and now, you know, you're nearly 35 years from that. Can you maybe describe a little bit how the management of it has changed and what you have learned personally about what helps you keep that under control? Because I know that there's a lot of people in the audience that are either newly diagnosed or starting to work on, they, they know that they have it, they, they kind of blew it off before, but your point, like it's erectile dysfunction, it's heart disease, it's uh, loss of limbs, it's, it's blindness. It's a lot of very serious things that people want to put out of their mind, but I kind of like to say it every once in a while, not to be doom and gloom, but just to be like, there are serious consequences of not getting this situation under control. So if you could just talk about how it's changed a little bit and some of the things that you've learned personally, I think that would be hugely useful. Well, the biggest difference for me was, and I'm going to go back to this 2019 moment for me, I had been a big meat eater. And what I learned at that conference was that diabetes is its insulin resistance gone particularly haywire. And that resistance is frequently from your cells being loaded with animal fat. And I'm, I'm not going to use technical terms because I'm not really qualified to do that, but it's the kinds of fat that come from animal foods and that prevent your cells from taking up the glucose from your blood. So that was a big shock to me. I had always been told to avoid carbs and eat protein. And in my mind, protein was animal foods. So a couple of things, we've already talked about it. If you're going to eat animal food, you, you need to eat animal food that is not full of the fat that comes from factory farming. So you need to eat grass-fed food, uh, animal foods. So that was a big one. The other one was I had always avoided carbs, not understanding that, and because of getting bad information, that vegetable carbs, squash, for example, uh, or beans are carby. They're also the best food you can eat. They're fantastic food. And if you are not eating crap, if you're not eating sugar or processed grains um, or additives, it, it, you can eat, I eat all the squash I want. <laughs> I eat uh, all the starchy vegetables I want. I don't avoid them at all. And I weigh now less. I mean, I weigh what I weighed in high school. And 
not from dieting, but my body just adjusting. And if, if you are struggling with diabetes, you may know that insulin as a medication makes it almost impossible for you to lose weight. And yet the cure for you is, is in fact to lose weight in a healthy way, to lose weight by eating lots of good food, which sounds a little weird, but I don't diet. I don't limit the amount of what I eat. I don't count calories. I don't measure things. I just eat good whole food. So tons, uh, tons of greens. I eat fruit. People say, well, fruit, what, you know, sugar. No, no, no. Eat whole fruit. No problem. I don't eat any more than maybe three fruit servings in a day or four, maybe on a great summer day when I'm eating peaches out of my trees or, or something, but it's whole food. No worries. And, and that just goes across the board. If you get in the habit of making sure you eat whole food, you're, you're going to be eating a diabetic diet. Uh, it's just anytime you get off into a box or a bag, you're going to be eating processed grains and sugar and all the stuff that, that is uh, a problem for diabetics. And everybody, and that's the other thing you learn, is that the diabetic diet is nothing more than exactly what everybody should be eating. That was real news to me. I had always thought that we were off in a corner having to you know, deprive ourselves of things. No. Um, it's just that I learned a long time ago to be careful. And then I learned in 2019 a very specific thing um, about the content of what I eat. And so since 2019, my numbers, I am now no longer diabetic. I'm no longer in diabetic territory and everybody can do that. You can do that just by eating so, real food, whole food, plant-based food. So since, since you are primarily plant-based, what advice do you have for people to, that struggle to get enough protein to maintain muscle mass? Because especially as we get older, our bodies can no longer break down the amino acids that we get and use them. So you actually need more protein as you get older. And, and multiple studies now have, have really proven that out. So if you are primarily plant-based, what are your best tips on getting enough protein in a day? And I know you said you didn't count your macros or anything like that, but what, what is your guesstimate on how much protein that you're getting each day based on this plant paradigm? You know how I like to talk about being just 1% better every day? Well, ButcherBox believes in better. For them, better means caring about animals and the planet, treating the planet with respect, and it means improving the lives of animals and the livelihoods of farmers. Their beef is grass-fed and grass-finished, chicken is free-range and organic, turkey is free-range, pork is humanely raised, and salmon and scallops are wild-caught. I've been using ButcherBox for a couple of years now, and it was a godsend having such high-quality meat delivered to my door during the pandemic. If you're interested in saving money and eating healthier, this is the perfect service for you. Even if you can get back to the grocery store now, the quality and health of ButcherBox meat is far superior to what's in the market. Plus, if you're a bacon lover, I have really good news. You can always get a great deal on your subscription by using my link, but starting June 12th until October 14th, new members can get free bacon for life. That's right. Every box will include a pack of uncured, unbelievably delicious bacon added to every box for the life of your membership. 
check my show notes for the link or go to bit.ly, that's B-I-T dot L-Y slash H-N-G ButcherBox. Probably more than most folks. <laughs> but I, I don't, I, I always have to recalculate and see what was the, how many grams? Because I eat two or three eggs most days in the morning. And I mean, I have chicken friends who have these gorgeous eggs and they're eggs that are different, by the way, uh, because these hens have eaten bugs and worms and grubs. And so along with the grass. So these are gorgeous eggs with beautiful marigold colored yolks. So they're very, very good food. And if you're vegan, you're not going to eat eggs. I love eggs and I, and I cook with eggs in all kinds of ways. So I eat quite a lot of eggs and I eat beans and I eat a ton of nuts. Um, my book title is brownies for breakfast because like a lot of the baked goods in the book, they are made from nut butters. So the, instead of flour and oil and butter and sugar, these wonderful yummy desserts are made out of protein. They're nut butter. And, uh, and I use a lot of pumpkin instead of flour. And so right there, you see, you know, my, my way of eating is actually pretty high protein. Uh, but it's just plant-based proteins. I, a new discovery that I love and I recommend to everyone is uh, chickpea pasta. And it does come in a box, but if you look at the box, it's got one ingredient in it chickpeas. That's it. <laughs> and the, the sea, and they're gorgeous little shell thing. I think you can get them in different shapes, but the ones that I buy are shell pastas. And here's the secret. And why is it that grandmas always talk recipes? They can't get through a paragraph, right? Without a recipe. <laughs> Bear with me. Here it is. You take the pasta and put it in boiling water, bring it back to a boil, turn it off, put the lid on, and it just sits there for eight or nine minutes and cooks without, so you can run in the other room and dry your hair and whatever, come back and it's okay. It doesn't get mushy. Uh, it's wonderful. And there's another recipe in the book called Genius Soup, which everybody needs to know and do. It's simple. It's old timey. It's full of the best nutrition and you can pull a jar out of your freezer because you made a batch and then you put some in your freezer and it's so cheap, by the way. Uh, and here it is. It's in your freezer. So how fast is that? You pull it out, you dump it in the pan, you bring it to a boil, you put the chickpea pasta in it, bring it back to a boil, put the lid on. When you take the lid off, the pasta has absorbed all this soup. And it's so you have this kind of wonderful, yummy casserole thing. You can sprinkle some nutritional yeast. Oh, another great source of protein, nutritional yeast flakes and seeds. I eat a ton of seeds. Uh, hemp seeds, uh, chia seeds, and sancha you know, inchi. Mm -hmm. Do you ever do sancha inchi? Yeah. No, I will pay attention to that. You like it? It's good. Yeah, it's a it, yeah, it's um, it's well, it's a great plant based protein that I, I used to be vegetarian for seven years. So I, even though I'm no longer in that category, uh, there I definitely learned a lot of that stuff then, and yeah. I think that you know, some of the things that you mentioned, if you are being more plant-based, um, you still have to have a focus on protein. It's, it's just critical, especially if you're getting older, like we are, you know, once you get to be over 40, we do nothing but lose muscle mass. You know, and 
and I'm here today with you to show you, okay, I'm 76. I got some guns, okay, right? Not in bad shape for an old lady. And that's eating very little animal protein except eggs. It, protein, I think, is a little bit misunderstood, too, because I think you're mentioning is people just don't associate it with plant foods. They associate it with animal foods. And mm. there is tons. Of, and calcium is another thing. People are, well, what, if you're not eating dairy products, you're not getting, yeah, you are. Vegetables are full of calcium. Broccoli has a huge amount of calcium in it. And if you are cooking yourself with animal, with vegetable foods, excuse me, you're using a lot of different kinds of food together. You're mixing up things. What happens when you stop eating Big Macs, when you stop driving through and eating sort of the sad, the standard American diet, which is all beige, brown and white, <laughs> all of a sudden you're eating so many, so much more variety. You're eating foods that are all this color and these things that you've just maybe never bothered to include in your diet before. So you are including nutrition of all kinds that you were not getting before because you just, you didn't need to, you were grabbing a burger or a donut or whatever. Donut, by the way, I have donut recipes in my book, but they're made from, <laughs> they're made from nut butter and pumpkin and things and spices. So it's a meal. It's real food uh, and protein. They have eggs in them or egg substitutes and seeds and, uh, and the nut butter. So there are all kinds of ways to eat. You just have to be conscious, Cheryl. Don't you think that's it? You just, you have to think about it. I, again, I don't like to measure just because I'm me and I don't, but I know I'm getting a ton of nutrition because I'm eating these things over and over again that I at one point measured. In my book, I have macros so you can see, you know, calories and potassium and protein and things. But also, I like people to be aware, and Colin Campbell has written about this, those nutritional macros that you see on labels are lies. They're not true. They're somebody's guess, their marketing, but it makes sense when you think about it. To any two carrots, for example, those two carrots raised in two different kinds of soil with two different sets of farmers and and two different kinds of fertilizer or whatever, those two carrots have totally different nutritional profiles. Mm. All carrots are not alike. All cows are not alike. I, you know, it's, it's a guess. It's an approximation. And so, you know, I don't, I don't like the idea of being really kind of strung out on, do I have 37 grams of this or 39 grams of this? You don't know. You know, even if you're paying close attention, what you do know is, did you eat a real food or not? Well, Lynn, before we wrap up here, can you just tell everybody, first of all, maybe hold up the book, say the name of it again, and then chat about where people can find you. What's the best way to get in touch if people want to learn more about what you're doing or ask you questions and all that kind of good stuff? Thank you. And it's easy because my website, Cheryl, is lynnbowman.com. And if you go on that web, it's just make sure you spell it right, L-Y-N-N-E-B-O-W-M-A-N. -E um, and you can sign up right on the front page to be on my list. And I will send you the brownie recipe and I'll send you 
the latest on sugar substitutes because so many people kind of struggle with that. So I have a couple pages on what the best ones are and why and so on and so forth. I will mail that to you free. And then I mail other stuff out, not frequently because I'm lazy. I don't like to do it. But uh, <laughs> if I have a killer recipe, and I mean killer in the best sense, okay, recipe, <laughs> um, I will send it out. Like I recently did a beefless stroganoff that everybody really loves. So I sent that one out. And then everything else is on my website because, yes, I have Instagram and Facebook and um, I do YouTubes and so on, all that. Uh, but the the easy way to find those things is um, on my website. And here's a book, Brownies for Breakfast. <laughs> Great name, by the way. <laughs> Thank you. And And the subtitle is A Cookbook for Diabetics and the People Who Love Them. Perfect. And it's... It's a, I, I like to think of it as a fun book because um, I don't think you can bore people into better health, frankly. I think, you know, it's okay if we entertain each other a little bit, but it's full of things like this, which people don't usually think about diabetic foods being like this, but they are. It's just, they're real food. And just in case you're also, listening via audio, she's showing the photos from the book that are some lovely sweets. So <laughs> just so you know what she's showing us right now. And you can also see my dogs and my friends. Oh, fun. <laughs> and I well, say that I, because people ask me about the photographs and I want you to know that I took them all myself with my iPhone. And I did that specifically because I want you to be able to make things that look like the book. You know how cookbooks are that you see this gorgeous thing and then you make it and it's not even close, right? The nailed it <laughs> idea. So, so this is, this book is full of actual real photographs taken by a real person, me, um, of the real recipe, um, and it's real food. And that's the whole idea here at my house, farmhouse. Oh, awesome. Love that. Um, well, Lynn, for so I will make sure that your website is in the show notes as well for everyone to be able to get in touch. And I just want to thank you so much for sharing your story, your knowledge, your passion today, and hopefully everyone learned something. You don't often hear about plant-based nutrition on the show very much, but as I said, there are any number of ways to get healthy and quite often it just uh, requires experimenting on yourself, which is what Lynn did and she is now doing very well. So I think that that is all fantastic. And I just want to thank you for sharing all that with us today. I am so happy to be here and would love to come back anytime. This has been the Heal, Nourish, Grow podcast. Again, I'm Cheryl McColgan, founder of Heal, Nourish, Grow. You can find show notes for this episode at HealNourishGrowPodcast.com. If you have feedback on today's episode or questions about the content, please email us at podcast at HealNourishGrow.com. We'd love to hear from you. Be sure to sign up for our email list at HealNourishGrow.com and subscribe to the show with your favorite podcast player so you never miss an episode. Join us next time for more information that helps you live your best and healthiest life. Thanks for listening.
Content on the Heal, Nourish, Grow podcast does not constitute medical advice. Content contained in the Heal, Nourish, Grow podcast is not intended as medical diagnosis or treatment. Neither the company nor its owner, Heal, Nourish, Grow, LLC, nor any of the company's employees, agents, or guest speakers provide medical advice. The content provided on Heal, Nourish, Grow podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes only. Please consult your medical provider with any questions about what health practices are right for you.